Hey guys, this is the Hard Time Strongman Podcast, training up a better class of man. And today we are continuing our Ranger Handbook Abridged series with Chapter 3, Fire Support. So, full disclosure, we were both Bravos. We were not Charlies. So, nope. as far as infantrymen go, I know about as much as about fire support as you do. But whole point of this, <laughs> <laughs> the whole point of this series is to go through the entirety of the Ranger Handbook cut down all the crap and give you all the best actionable memorable information that we can. So hopefully we can increase your, your toolbox and, you know, get you something good out of this. So it's our, it's our job to have our eyes glaze over reading this stuff so you don't have to. Exactly. So start off fire support assets can help a unit by suppressing, fixing, destroying, or neutralizing the enemy. So, Fire support, this can be a lot of things. This can be rockets, mortars. You know, this involves calling for fire, but these assets are a ridiculous force multiplier in, you know, any engagement. You know, think back to World War One, World War Two, where dudes couldn't even crawl out of their trenches, couldn't, you know, venture out of, you know, their armored positions, you know, because that space that you see that's been shelled to hell is dead space. <laughs> you know, you, like you, yep. you do not own that. So being able to wipe someone off the face of the planet from a grid square away is a very, very scary power and a very scary reality that we currently live in, you know, looking at, you know, war in Ukraine, where, you know, same vein, a little bit different, but, you know, you see these drone strikes of dudes just hovering over, you know, enemy personnel and just, you know, blowing them to hell. And, you know, that... that Dropping grenades. Yeah, I mean, that operator could be, you know, who knows how far away, you know, if he has a signal booster or whatever. So, I mean, the, yeah. the, the battlefield is changing, and this is only going to become more prevalent. I mean, hell, there's a dude on YouTube right now who is making... You know RPGs or I forget what the nomenclature is, but you know that uh, that rocket launcher from uh, from Commando with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh yeah, yeah, the multi two yeah. one. Yeah, dude's making a prototype of that that you can three D print in your home. So that's awesome and terrifying at the same yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, crazy capabilities, and it's only going to become more prevalent. I mean, like think of the nonsense you could do by you know rolling into a Lowe's or a Home Depot. I mean. <laughs> The times they are changing. So this, while it may not be applicable to you either at all or all the time or even part of the time, this is information you need to know or at least be familiar with. So let's get into it. So there are four basic tasks involved in fire support. First one is you're supporting the forces that are in contact. Second is you're supporting the battle plan. The third is you're synchronizing the fire support system. And then the fourth is you're sustaining the fire support system. So this obviously, you know, it's designated as four steps, but this all rolls together. You know, a lot of the stuff is going to be occurring simultaneously. You can't have yep. one without the other, right? So you can't support the battle plan without supporting the Chimera's intent. You can't do that without synchronizing your support with your movement element without thinking of supply so right all the stuff has to move together 
yeah, you got to be able to have ammunition, powder, cheese charges, whatever you have on hand and available to you. Otherwise, your tube is useless. It doesn't matter how big it is, how big your round is. If you can't keep that thing in operation, keep those rounds going downrange, if you can't do that, you're useless. Exactly. It's just, a, you know, like anything, like any of the tools that we use, if you can't use it or you can't use it effectively, it's a, it's a hunk of plastic. It's a hunk of metal, guys. So yep. first step in the actual targeting phase, the actual targeting process of fire support is decide. So you are thinking of the overall focus and priorities for collecting your intelligence and planning the attack. So, you know, where are my targets? Where are my friendlies? Where, you know, like I said earlier, was the intent of this, uh, of this action? Um, this breaks into your mission analysis, you know, current and projected battle situations and anticipated opportunities. So if I do this, what's going to happen next? You know, so you can anticipate further actions so that you can make everything run smoother, go faster. It's, it's a lot easier to have mission success if, say, you're going to employ your ground forces to drive a target into a mortar situation or use your mortars to drive your target into friendly forces to enable a capture or kill. Like, it's a lot easier to be able to do those things if you're still, if you're utilizing, you know, your mission analysis, the current situation, because anybody who's been deployed knows how quickly the battlefield can change. Oh yeah. Like, like you said, if I do this, this is going to happen. It, and it will evolve in seconds. Like it could go from being, Hey, we're winning this to Holy crap. Where did those guys come over that ridge from? Mm -hmm. Well, and think about Khmer's intent, think about, you know, keeping within your ROEs. I mean, this is why. So, you know, a few classes ago, we talked about, you know, Warno's Oppor's, you know, this is why it's important to, you know, pay attention, stay on top of these things, know the whole picture so that when you get your fragos, when you, you know, get these, you know, split second changes, you can adjust accordingly, especially with, right. you know, calling for fire, especially with your fire support. That is such a huge asset that if that gets bogged down in a decision-making process or that gets bogged down in dudes just not knowing what's going on, you know, that's a huge, you know, tool that's not at your disposal anymore. I mean, you're literally talking about shutting down, you know, entire battle space, potentially. And then you can't do that because you don't, you know, you're not abreast of the situation. You don't know what you're supposed to be doing. You know, that's... And that's actually, that's that's what they ran into at uh, Keating up in uh, Nuristan when they were about to get overrun by the Taliban. Like, they that, that was the... The, uh, the cop that was sitting down in a bowl between three mountains oh, along a river. Yeah. And it, they, they had Taliban inside the base during that fight, like ongoing inside the base. And the first thing the Taliban did was hit that mortar pit. Like they were putting all sorts of fire on that and they took that out of, out of commission. Why? Because if they didn't, I mean, that was going to be hellfire that was going to be rained down on them. Yeah. So shutting that down was a absolute priority. Yeah. So I don't know. The exact hill that was on, but uh, read a biography from this dude who's on one of the hills in Vietnam. Mm -hmm. Marine that was, you know, in Vietnam and, you know, his, you know, platoon, his company was, you know, in charge of this hill. And 
you know, during one of the many, many attacks that, you know, they endured, they had their mortars running so hard, so long that, you know, they burned through all the water that they could use to cool down that mortar. So they had guys pissing on the mortar tube to cool it down. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, this is an invaluable, invaluable asset, you know, because you're talking about, you know, especially, you know, like you said, getting overrun, you know, like... They did that, and we were soldiers too. Yeah, we were soldiers. I'll, was there? A, did they utilize fire support assets like organically? In um, yeah, organically. Or not not in that, but I'm talking about um, in 13 hours, the dudes who were holding that uh, in Benghazi. Yeah, the dudes that were holding the embassy. Did they have organic assets there for mortars, or were they just calling? No, stuff in? they they had nothing. They they had nothing. They, I had, they had fire support at one point. They had machine guns. They Golly. had a, a two forty Bravo. Yeah. Uh, they they were having mortars dropped on them. Yeah, but but you know more to the point. You know, imagine if those dudes had air assets. Oh right. Could just you know completely. You know, shut down the hemisphere. All right, you don't have to worry about your oh. north anymore. <laughs> you know, Dude, it, like it'd be over. It would. They. They. You know would have been done would have been a completely different outcome but yeah if they would have had a predator an armed predator it would have been a completely different story <laughs> yeah yeah anyway mm. so moving on second crew sorry for the tangent <laughs> uh so second critical function detect okay so this is where your intelligence comes in place your intelligent officers they're working to detect to find these high payout targets, these HPTs, okay, to decide the next step. So the who, the what, the when, the how of target acquisition. And these, you know, your intelligence officers, the guys who are you know, getting all this information for you are working with, you know, the analysis of your control element, the field artillery officer, targeting officer, and FSO, maybe both. When you're in the service, you have all these guys who this is their specific job. Okay. But if you aren't in the service, right, this, you know, you need to be able to understand and translate this to the assets you have. So you're going, you may have somebody who's wearing multiple hats. Yeah. Like you're not going to be able to have each individual thing. Most likely you're probably going to have someone who's running three or four of these these jobs at one time it may be the same guy running everything yeah but and, i mean you're going to need intelligence support you're mm-hmm. going to need someone who acts as a fso or an fo you know mm-hmm. so knowing your location at all times you know you know knowing the you know general layout having you know people talking in your ear with you know your comms so getting so receiving and you know transmitting information you know as it becomes available, you know, because for a lot of the stuff, you know, like we said with the fire support, you're, you know, if you're firing this off, if you have, if you're calling for fire for someone to, you know, be assisting you, they aren't going to see what they're shooting at. You know, this is a very precise, this is a, like, this is a science being able to launch something (laughs) from who knows how far away you know, it's a lot of math. past all, you know, past all of the terrain features that, you know, you have to worry about on the ground and to, you know, hit exactly 
what you're aiming at, talking about, and then if they miss, being able to lock them in. I mean, that's, you know, using your communication skill, that's using, you know, Matthew being able to read and understand a map and your location, you know, in, you know, relation to that and your target. I mean, this is a lot, guys. It is. It is. And that's the reason why they, this is their job. Like right. that, that's all they have to worry about is this, only this. I mean, yes, are they trained to shoot? Sure. There are 11 Charlies, most of them. Or whatever in the Marine Corps. I can't remember what the hell the designation is, but. But regardless of like your, their, regardless of your job with your, whether you're in the service in law enforcement and, you know, as a, as a citizen, your primary function is to be rifleman, to be an excellent rifleman, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you, you do not escape that with whatever job you have. That is the, that is your base function. So. Man, that's scary if law enforcement's using mortars. Well, we're getting there. Have you seen their upper vehicles close. and everything else? Yep. They got tanks. Yep. They have addresses too. Anyway, so decide. We have our piercing rounds. <laughs> decide. Detect. So you decide what your action is. You need to detect the target that you're you're going to be acting upon. But your interdiction. So your interdiction is an action to divert, disrupt, delay, intercept, board, detain, or destroy the enemy's military surface capabilities. So vessels, vehicles, aircraft, people, cargo, before they can be used on friendly forces or otherwise you know, interfere with your objectives. So when we were talking about uh, Warno's op boards, Fragos, when we talked about task and purpose, so Charlie Company will move to disrupt or to harass or, you know, these are your action words. You know, this is the purpose behind, you know, you actually calling this fire. Yeah, we're talking limiting, disrupting, delaying, diverting, destroying, damaging. Those are exactly what we're talking about. Even with limiting, it's just, it's reducing what they can do. It's reducing the number of options that they have to achieve their goal, disrupting it, just rendering them combat ineffective, essentially delaying is just exactly as it sounds, diverting, forcing them to not take the path that they're trying to take. So you, you mortar the crap out of a road actively. They're not going to come down that road. Anybody who's not suicidal is not going to go down that road. Uh, destroying same thing, destroy the structure, destroy people, the cargo destroy the vehicles the people especially like you destroy people you're gonna have bad time and just damaging stuff in general buildings assets whatever damage bridges anything use it anymore yeah so yep and that's the thing so with this you know you need to be precise but this is not a you know fine tooth comb (laughs) yeah you know this is Mm -hmm. a freaking sledgehammer on you know your map essentially yeah so you know, say that you got intelligence of an ammo depot or a motor pool or, you know, what have you. You call for fire on that motor pool. You may not, you know, destroy or, you know, incapacitate every single vehicle, but you're going to limit their capability. You're disrupting their movement. You're delaying any kind of, you know, action they were going to take. You're damaging 
you know their you know their equipment their capabilities and you know maybe you get a few guys along the way too but you know this is yeah. a you know like we said this is a very important tool to be able to use you know especially you know like you said with infrastructure right so instead of having guys go out with you know a demo team and you know worrying about taking out this bridge truck the 81 you know mike mike on there bye you know, if you don't completely destroy, you're not using it anymore. At least not with your vehicles. I don't, I don't know if the 81 would actually get that. It'd probably take quite a few rounds, but if you want to effectively render a bridge useless, hit it with, with a 155. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's in the dirt. <laughs> Just take out the bridge. But, I mean, you've seen what, you know, those craters do. So, you know, oh, yeah. think about that in the middle of... Uh, you know, a bridge over a water crossing, you know, and then your, you know, normal Humvees or your, you know, Toyota Hiluxes, you know, they can't cross that, you know, potentially, right? You know, I haven't shot, you know, more enough to tell you one way or the other, but, you know, these are some of your capabilities. I mean, aside from the explosiveness of it, it's the shrapnel mm-hmm. that really gets people because not only are you dropping metallic round and you're spraying metal everywhere, but you're also spraying debris. Oh, yeah. Yep. Like a concrete. rock fragmentation is still going to hurt. It's still oh, oh, could kill you. Kill you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, as you know, what's another great example is uh, sniper. Because our doctrine was, if we ever came across sniper, that's not our problem anymore. Yeah, figure out where they were, call for fire. Yep, because snipers are too dangerous. So golf fire, dude. you can't worry about a sniper in the building if the building's not there anymore, right? So, oh, <laughs> uh, that's my favorite thing. Just bring the whole building down on top of them. <laughs> Just recognize, forget it was even not there. worth it anymore, and yeah, off you go. So, this chapter in particular has a lot of tables full of information and we will yeah. you know cut them out and we'll post them on our instagram so that you guys can uh get in there and you know take this information down or you know just get a visual representation of what we're talking about but just some highlights talking about you know we were talking about the ranges of these weapon systems a minute ago but in you know more precise terms right so 60 millimeter mortar your max range for high explosive is 3,500 meters. That's a you're talking about three clicks away. Way. Three clicks away. Three and a half, bro. <laughs> like that's insane. Yeah, for the smallest offering, 60 millimeter mortar equipment that can be carried by two dudes. One dude. Yeah. Well, yeah. If you hate them, but. <laughs> Think about that. So that's what's always amazed me with firearms, right? That's that was part of the draw for me. You know, after you know, gang, you know, in the military, gang, all the training, gang time, you know, behind the rifle and everything. Just the thought that I could touch a dude from three hundred meters away with irons. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, how you doing? Here's a vibe check. Bing. You know, and that's with a five five six. You know, that's not talking about like our one ten. You know. Was it the one tens, the uh, the DMR? Yeah, M one ten. Yeah, yeah. Or you know, 
anything you know, like the yes, 240 like you know any of that like you're talking about just like me to you like oh, hundreds of years away and i can put you in the dirt but think about it 3500 yeah. meters for a mortar like, that's scary stuff man so 81 millimeter for max range for high explosive he 5600 meters 120s 7200 meters stupid seven clicks away seven grid squares away right 105s 11,500 meters with charge seven charge four, seven 14,000 I, I don't know what eight. the charges are I have no idea what the charges are I, I assume the uh the repellent yeah well I mean yeah but I don't know if those are interchangeable or if that's just you know whatever type of round that you're issued but Oh, so the one fifty five is up to twenty two thousand or up to twenty four thousand five hundred. Oh, with the Excalibur! Oh my God, that is a crazy route, dude. Have you heard about that thing? I'm not. If this is the one I'm thinking of, you can essentially so say you're shooting at a target. You're twelve o'clock. Okay. You can take the weapon system and turn it to like. I can't even remember how far they shot it off course. So say about your 10 o'clock, they fired this thing and it it has an in-round guidance system. No freaking way. And it turned it back on target and landed it within like 10 meters. That's just sick. GPS guidance, dude. Goodness. It's stupid. Absolutely stupid. Well, and... Oh, man. Yeah. And, and then that goes into, so like when I was on my gun team, right? So that goes into your machine gun math is what we called it, right? So yep. we're going to be on target. We're going to be suppressing for this amount of time at this rate of fire, maybe this rate of fire. I need to be able to sustain myself for at least that long and then my egress. And then I'm carrying yeah. that. You know, so you need to do that math beforehand. And you have a, you, have, you know, you need to have a good way to resupply, you know, because you know, what if something goes wrong, which it always does, always <laughs> you know, does. the plan never survives first contact ever. Mm -hmm. You know, your plan will always change. So, you know, working in for those contingencies, but I was just thinking, I was just remembering when we were taking mortars and rockets all the freaking time. Yeah. And just like, besides like what those rounds can do, like it is so demoralizing it can be so demoralizing for dudes. Yeah. Like I was just remembering. So like it got to the point to where we were getting hit so often, like, cause I knew I'd have to get it all up in my kit and go down and get accountability and everything. And I knew that none of our structures could protect me from rockets, which we were getting hit with. Right. None of them were ready for mm -hmm. rockets. So I was taking a shower one day and I hear the, <laughs> I hear the siren incoming, incoming, incoming. And I just turn my music up. So be it. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. If it happens, if it, it happens. If it's your time, I, it's your time. You know, yeah. It's like, I'm not, it's not like I'm going to freaking dodge it, you know? But like, I just, and then just like the fear though, when you're, you know, when you're not in that headspace, like we were getting ready for a mission, we were, you know, loading up all our vehicles and everything. And our buddy Z was like, I was in the vehicle and he was like out when we heard it and we both froze. And I'm like, get in the freaking truck. <laughs> it's like, yeah. and then as soon as you're going, Oh, and it's like, 
And you never know. You never know where it's going to hit. You never know who's shot. You never know where they were. I mean, it, you know, and I know that we had, you know, the technology to be able to know exactly, you know, like we were watching half the freaking time for that stupid blimp. But, you know, if you're not in that room, you're just like, who, who knows, man? I'll be honest. That blimp is not catching everything. It it relies on the CRAM technology. Like once the alarm goes off, the coordinates go to the PTIDs and it immediately mm. swings the camera to it. Yeah. And then you there's like, I think two cameras on it. So one goes to the point of origin, one goes to the point of impact. Right. So you can see battle damage assessment and all that shit. But all at the same time. Yeah. Dude. Yeah. But yeah, you were talking like you never know. Like there was that one time I'd gone up to my room to get my the charger for my, mm. my uh, phone. Yeah. And I was coming back down and I heard the whoosh in the distance. I was like, that's weird. Like that was, that was weird. I don't hear mm. that every day. And then I just kind of looked up and, oh, sure as hell. I see the outline of the rocket still. It's like, oh, crap. Six feet south. If it landed six feet south, I would not be here. You'd be gone. Like it, it would have hit the freaking fuel point and I would be gone. Be God, I would be gone. Yeah, you'd be an ember. Yeah, I'd, I'd be ashes. The closest, Afghanistan. the closest I ever got to more, it, it didn't explode anywhere near me because it hit base, but it was at like nine o'clock or something like late at night, like later than they mm-hmm. ever hit us before. And yeah, I was in my guard shack cause I was at the, uh, the sister base, right? I mm-hmm. got a little SF base and I hear the, mm-hmm. <laughs> like over my head. I was like, Oh, that was the fin like that. whole oh. <laughs> that was, yeah, that I was think, closer than I've ever been before. And then a couple of seconds later, I think that was the same one. Golly. And then a couple of seconds later, boom, I was like, Oh, holy crap. Like that was, yeah, that was close. And our, I think we figured out that was the same one. My SOG was just like, Hey dude, you good? <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm already. He's like, all right, man, we'll put your helmet on. Okay. I was like, yeah, yeah, all right. <laughs> like, Jesus. God, crazy stuff, man crazy stuff yeah but that uh that excalibur round yeah so max rate of fire one every two minutes and two minutes goes by so freaking quickly <laughs> when you can more shot at you like yeah but i mean that's out of the m triple seven though that's yeah. That's a howitzer. Like that's that's a big, that's a big, big, big gun. Yeah, that'll yeah. that'll shake your house. Yeah, I mean, if it's coming out of the one hundred and nine, then it's uh, every three minutes. So it's not nearly as bad, but but it, it's bad. But a building disappeared every time. Y- yeah, like yeah, and that's the thing. Like especially <laughs> like, if you're not you know sitting in you know a few feet of concrete all around, like you're talking about every two yeah, minutes. You're, feel it. you're talking about every two minutes a building disappears. Like, mm-hmm. imagine being a fighter, you look over at your buddy, and then he's just gone. Like, n- nothing about it. And then you're sitting there, and then two minutes later, the other building disappears. Like, you know, like, you're talking about literally then- just erasing, like, er- erasing these these features. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. And it's hilarious. <laughs> It's hilarious, he says. So hilariously terrifying. Danger. I mean, you know, laugh or cry, your choice. Danger close. Okay. Danger close. <laughs> when a target is within six hundred meters of any friendly troops. Crazy. 
for mortars or field artillery, announce danger close in the method of engagement portion of your call for fire on your call for fire card. So 600 meters is considered danger close. That's insane. That's six football fields. Yep. Right? Yep, 100 meters. I mean, I mean, about, you know, meter to a yard is pretty close. Yeah. Yeah. Almost exactly the same. Yeah, it's off by, give or take, what, like 10 meters at most? I don't know. Something like that. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. So... Another distance is your risk estimate distance. So red. And this applies to combat only. And it, it just means the percentage of risk that is involved with an impact of a round. Right. So their metric, the metric that is listed here is 0.1% point of impact or higher. So war is a numbers game. It's in, yeah. it's in economy. And it's, it and really what that's talking about is like the effects of friendly fires without suffering appreciable casualties which i can appreciate that i'm not going to become a casualty by a mortar right i would prefer the zero percent chance chance point of impact right so red formulas so this is only in common to determine acceptable risk levels and to identify the risks for your for your forces Right. Mm -hmm. During training, you're advised to use minimum safe distances so as to negate that. And you don't want dudes dying off in training. But, you know, to your point, right, you know, this is acceptable risk because, tell you what, industrial, you know, the military industrial office, we could just JDM everything all the time for a long, long time. Yeah. Without caring, you know, if there were civilians or friendlies or whatever. And yeah, you'd win the war, but but at what cost, you know? So that's where that comes into play. Another tangent. Uh, he was telling me when he was in, I think it was Afghanistan or Iraq the first time. When he was still in the Marines. And yeah. he um, he got to call for fire <laughs> one time, and it's fun. Yeah, but he was in. So they were in a fob, and then he had you know desert you know nonsense one road, and then another mm -hmm. fob, and they had this truck that was going to one of the fobs. No. Yes, and they were calling for fire, and the and I'm, I'm probably not telling the story right, but like the bird was talking to him right. And he said, hey, you know, I read you and everything, but I have a JDAM and I'm not going home with it. <laughs> and they're like, but it's one truck. And he's like, I'm not going back with it. And yes. And they're like, oh, oh OK. And so he called it. <laughs> He just sees God. this thing fall and then just the truck disappear. Yeah. Light. And then nothing. And yeah, that just stuck with me. I was like, 
I wonder what size JDM it was, or if it was a 500 pounder. I don't know, but I'm just like, dude, that is not, it was one truck. <laughs> you didn't have to do that. But just the. Dude, those things come through the freaking cloud cover, sounding like a freight train. Because it is a freight train. Yeah. <laughs> like, those things are well, monstrous. A thousand pounders, dude. Those things like, are monstrous, man. This week's episode is brought to you by FieldSeats.com. FieldSeats.com is an e-commerce, federally licensed firearms dealer. They provide virtual reviews on brand new firearms, optics, and gear, where at the end of the review, they give away the item being reviewed to an attendee. Currently, they've got reviews ranging from the Shao Systems MR920 for $35, the Springfield M1A for $65, or Chichikon ACOG with RMR for $60. Each review has limited seating, so your chances of winning the giveaway are that much higher. Check out FieldSeats.com to purchase your reviews and enter to win the item being reviewed. And use code STRONGMEN to get 10% off your order. Be sure to check out their Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at Field underscore Seats for updates on products and other tips and info. Use code STRONGMEN to receive 10% off your entire purchase at FieldSeats.com. Terms and conditions apply. Thanks for listening, guys. Now back to the episode. Stay in the fight. So also to... Uh, Further expound on what we're talking about with the percentage of risk, we're talking with the 0.1%, we're talking, as far as the Ranger Handbook is concerned, this is talking about the five-minute assault criterion. And what we're talking about there is a prone Ranger in winter clothing and helmet. If he is physically unable to function in an assault within a five-minute period after an attack, he's considered a casualty. And a point of impact value of less than 0.1% can be interpreted as being less than or equal to one chance in 1,000 that you get hit and become a casualty, meaning that you are physically incapacitated within a five-minute period after an attack. Right. Unable so to like, continue the mission. A mortar drops. Yeah. Yeah. So if mortar drops, five minutes later, you can't move, uh, you're a casualty. Right. So plays in Don't two. use that as... Yeah. Don't be. I was gonna say it just plays into the uh, just plays into the numbers game, right? Right. If you exactly. have a one in one thousand chance is, of you know incapacitating half your dudes, then it's not a good plan. Yeah, and of course they use the reds, the red system, uh, because units have to assume some sort of risk, especially when it comes to mortars dropping in the area. Like there's there's there is risk. Yeah. Whether you're sending it or someone else is sending it in, there is risk. Yeah, I mean, the fact of the matter is there are going to be casualties. Right. And it, it's it's up to the CO to determine how f- close he's going to allow uh, rounds to fall from mm-hmm. his mortar system or fire system to friendly forces. Right. In the service, you're, you know, the commander is also relying heavily on on his FSO for experience. You know, oh, outside yeah. of the service, you know, whoever has the most experience with these weapon systems who, you know, has seen these at work and you know, has experience there, you're relying on these guys for, you know, that, you know, extra context, that extra information, you know, can I safely do this and still complete the mission? You know, you have, you know, you need to rely on, you know, the people with the most expertise here. Yeah. It's all about what I can get away with as we've learned in the army. Right. (laughs) What can I get away with? That could be good. That could be bad. Yeah. So moving on. So, your fire support plan. So to ensure this is complete, uh, you can use the acronym TTLODAC. So your target, your trigger, your location, observer, 
delivery system, attack guidance, and communications network. So checklist. Checklist. Yeah. So your trigger. So when to fire the target location, your minimum. So this is a minimum of a six digit grid. Okay. Your observer primary and alternate. So multiplies on always better delivery system. You know, this is, is this a mortar and artillery? Is this, you know, coming from the air attack guidance? So ammo, special instructions, communications net. So your attack, your CLF, you know, how are you, you know, what is the network that you're communicating under, you know, who's talking to who, who's giving guidance, et cetera, at all. Ad nauseum. Nine times out of 10, that's, that's coming across. If it's, if it's ground support fire, it's coming across the fire's net. If it's delivered from air, they'll be on a certain frequency. Right. Or they're, the JTAC will be on a certain frequency. Right. Communicating with the birds. The FO, the FO almost never will talk to birds in the air because you have to be certified to drop a bomb. Yeah, not well, and it's not his job. Yeah, exactly. So moving on to call for fire. So these are your definite steps taken when calling for a fire. So your fire support mission. Uh, all right, so moving on to call for fire. So call for fire. These are your definite steps taken when calling in your fire support mission. Okay, so minimum to make this happen are five steps. So your observer's identification, your call signs, okay? Your warning order, your method of target location. So whether you're you know, applying this using your grid, whether you're shifting from a known point or from you know an earlier mission, your target or the location of your target. So your six digit grid, if you can do more, do more, always better be more precise, obviously. Yep. So shifting from a known point. So mills, degrees, carnal direction, you know, right, left, whatever you are able to do and able to communicate clearly to where, you know, everybody's on the same page and actually able to you know, fulfill that request. Right. And then the description of your target. So, type, activity, number, uh, what kind of protection they have, size and shape, anything to help distinguish, you know, so everybody has the best information and is able to work off that. Getting into more details, you could, you could send your method of engagement, whether you're doing with mortars, artillery, hell, naval guns. Goodness. I don't I don't remember the last time that happened. That was probably what, Vietnam, the last time we used naval guns to bombard a freaking target. Dude, I don't know. Those things are stupid. I mean you could like uh, yeah. they can send that crap through a window. From Yeah. You're, they're they're essentially sending out a freaking Volkswagen bus of uh, Volkswagen bus. Yeah. Out of a freaking fifty caliber no, forty five caliber naval gun stupid well imagine how scary that is too right so you're not even anywhere near the coast and you're like all right this is and then just your entire apartment complex explodes just into nothing like yeah because and if you uh, could have known you would know that you just got just absolutely wrecked by just a destroyer a couple miles off the coast <laughs> like well, hell, it was the uh, battleship, what, Iowa that could send around, like, 
miles past the horizon. So they had to have spotter planes. Terrifying. Just stupid. And it's awesome. Yay. Yay. Of course, you got to have a method of fire control. Right. So. Correcting errors. Yeah. I I feel like most of the time it's going to be like at my command. Yeah. Yeah. Well, also context too, right? Who are we, you know, who are we teaching right. us to? You know, it's going to be yeah. at your command. More often than not. I would hope so. Like, yeah, you you need you need control, period. If you're sending rounds, you need control. Unless it's just like, yeah, rounds on target. Um, <laughs> fire for effect. Repeat, 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 repeat. Anyway. So you want to talk about cluster support? God, the most terrifying thing of all time. <laughs> Burr. Burr. What the hell's burp? The hills are alive <laughs> with the sound of burp. <laughs> so that brings us to close air support. There are two types of this. Close air support, or CAS as it's known, there is planned and immediate. Planned requests are ones that you put in ahead of time. It's passed up the chain, and they'll either say yes or no. Immediate requests can be initiated at any level, because immediate requests are usually what happens during a troops in contact incident or a tick. Help. And you need air support. Yesterday. Right now. In fact, you needed it, yes, yesterday. So... The format for requesting immediate cast, observer identification. Give a warning order, so you're requesting close air. Describe your target. At a minimum, this has to include type and number of targets, activity or movement, and point or area targets. You must send your target location in a grid form, and that should include your elevation. You need to give your desired time on target, your desired effects on target, your final control, and give any remarks, reports. So your friendly locations, your wind direction and hazards, threats such as air defense, artillery, or small arms. And that is a nine line. Up to and including your egress. To avoid, say, friendly fire. So one of the good things the Army had was... um, So one of the best things that the army had was the Apaches. Mm. Like we had Apaches on call 258 367. So a target attack aviation is defined as a hasty or deliberate attack in support of units engaged in close combat. During an attack, armed helicopters engage enemy units with direct fire that impacts nearby friendly forces. These would be the Apaches, and these things are awesome. They are flying tanks. They're death. Flying yeah. death. So this so just makes me think of uh, Red Hawk Down with the little birds. Red Hawk Down? I said Black Hawk Down. 
Did you? Yeah. It sounded like it said Red Hawk. Oh my no, head. I was just saying, like, it makes me think of Black Hawk Down with the little birds. Oh, <laughs> yeah, all night long. Kill. Man. But yeah, the Apaches. Yeah, I just think just... they would have had the Apaches back then. Goodness. If they'd had Apaches for that, it would have been a different story. Oh, yeah. Well, like you said, it's a flying tank. Like, yeah. they're just, they're ridiculous. And it's great. Freaking chain gun is just stupid. Mm. During the planning process for Atari, Army Attack Aviation, uh, this is usually comes down to the responsibility of the team platoon or company level leadership to ensure that enough time is allowed to conduct rehearsals between the ground unit and the aviation unit so that there's enough situation awareness to plan so that there's enough situation awareness of the plan, the routes, the capabilities and limitations of what the units can provide and support. Everybody needs to know what everybody else can do. Exactly. Or can't do. Right. You know, you need to know. So birds need to know like you know, who you are, how many you are, how fast you can move because you know, they're, you know, they're not in your boots on the ground. You know, we all look like ants down there to them. So, right. you know, especially with your methods of marking and, you know, you know, when you're, you know, calling into your, you know, your, uh, your updates, your reports, you know, you need to be where you're saying you are, you know, cause these guys are, you know, just looking from on high. If you're not where you're supposed to be, then, you know, Bombs don't care. It's true. One good way of uh, negating that is by having your IR strobes going off mm -hmm. or the S17 panels. I mean, that didn't save Pat Tillman, but yeah. unfortunate. But friendly fire does happen. But those are methods of negating the friendly fire. Um, and dear God, if you're moving, you might want to report that. Yes direction and speed and method of marking of you and how far the enemy is from you and what you're marking them with say an infrared pointer a tracer smoke whatever you got whatever you're throwing at them send it up so they know where to drop those bombs hopefully not on you so this was a pretty short chapter guys this was very uh very image very table like information table heavy but it's a lot of information is a lot to know, you know, that's why you have your experts in this field and this may not be your context, you know, now or ever you, you may only get a little taste of this, but it is, you know, like we've been saying this episode, you know, times have changed, you know, you can't, you know, get by, you can't, you know, be serious about war fighting or, you know, preparing for a fight without considering air assets whether you have them or not, you know, you can't be serious about this without considering indirect fires, whether you have them available to you right now or not, because yeah. they will, you know, they, they are going to be in your context on one way or the other. So understanding these capabilities, understanding the basics of what is needed to have these come to your aid, what, you know, a potential enemy will need in order to, you know, bring this to bear against you 
so you can negate that. You know, this is really important stuff. Always remember that danger close is 600 meters. That can work for you or against you. It's your call on how you utilize that. See if your enemy has balls or not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or if they're suicidal. You can call, Shit. but you have to call on yourself, buddy. This was a continuation of our Ranger Handbook Abridged series on Chapter 3, Fire Support. Reach out to us. Talk to us in the comments. Tell us what you liked about this episode, what you want to know more, and how you may or may not use this in the future. What are you doing to get better at fire support? And what can we do better? Let us know. Let us know what you like. Share with your buddies. And let's build out this community. Let's build out. Let's train up this bear class of man. You know, this doesn't always... Dis- Sorry, I was just going to say, this doesn't always have to be in your context. You know, this is no. such a wide field. War fighting, right? Community building, medical. This is so wide. We can't know it all. No one can. But it is your responsibility, I believe, to learn as much as you can. Or at least be open to learning as quickly and as much as you can. Join us on Discord. We've been having a lot of fun on there. We have. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. This has been the Hard Times Strongman Podcast. Stay safe. Stay in the fight. Stay in the fight. Thank you.